Hello, and welcome back to the Baseball Trade Values Podcast. My name is Joshua Iverson, and I am the Associate Editor of BaseballTradeValues.com, joined, as always, by founder and owner John Bitzer. John, we're getting way into the season at this point. How's it going? How are you enjoying the baseball so far? I love it. Stuff is happening. Good games are happening. I mean, you know, values are being updated. There's, We'll talk about all that stuff. But yeah, it's great to see movement pretty mm-hmm. much in competition and value in players, performances. All, it's good. We've got a lot to talk about. And we're sneaking toward actual trade season. We're sneaking yep. toward the deadline. As soon as the calendar changes to June, that's when my kind of ears perk up a little bit. That's when you start to hear the rumors kind of trickling in, and that's when things start to get a little bit fun. Things really won't pick up until probably mid-July is when we see that kind of flurry of activity, but we might see a little bit. We're going to see a lot of rumors for the next four to six weeks for sure. We are. We might see a little bit of activity, and we've already actually seen, I believe, more trade activity than we maybe usually do with things like the Willie Adamas and Orlando mm-hmm. Arcia trades, but uh, yeah. it seems like only more where that came from in the coming weeks. Yeah, we got some little appetizers to talk about today before <laughs> we get to the meal down the road. So, yeah, <laughs> little stuff's going on. <laughs> so on that note, let's let's start out with one of those appetizers, but uh, this one's actually from the offseason. So we finally got the answer as to the three players to be named later in that weird three-team Andrew Benintendi trade um, from the winter. And so at the time, I have it I have it pulled up right now, at the time we had that trade as a pretty significant overpay for Kansas City. Um, they gave up outfielder Khalil Lee, who at the time we had at $9.3 million, um, and in, in exchange, in exchange uh, they received Benintendi, who we only had at 4.6 million and then 2.8 million in cash. Uh, the, the Royals also gave up two players to be named later who we didn't know at the time, so that seemed to even make it look like even more of an overpay for them. However, values obviously have changed since then. And so we still we can't exactly evaluate the trade with this full hindsight because, of course, nobody... We didn't know for sure that Andrew Benintendi was going to kind of return to form the way he has a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the prospects involved have seen their performance go up and down. And, and Franchi Cordero, the main one of the main major league piece uh, the Royals gave up, he's been a mess. And so mm-hmm. his value's kind of tanked. Uh, but we do have the full deal now, so we can actually look at it in its entirety. And so the pieces that we knew before was obviously Andrew Benintendi goes from the Red Sox to the Royals. Uh, Franchi Cordero goes from the Royals to the Red Sox. And Josh Winchowski goes from the Mets to the Red Sox. And finally, uh, Khalil Lee goes from the Royals to the Mets. <laughs> there, there is no good way to talk about a three-team trade on a podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, especially when <laughs> I am, it's yeah, yes. <laughs> six months later, you know, however long it's been. Six yeah. months later, it happened in two parts. <laughs> There's names flying in every direction. I will link to these in, in the show notes if you want it's... to. Follow you know along. what you know what though it ended up kind of fair actually it did it, yes. which is interesting uh, after all that it actually made more sense so once mm-hmm. you piece it all together mm-hmm. um uh, so, so those final pieces there just really quickly um and they're all headed to boston if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. yeah so it's a uh, right-handed pitcher luis de la rosa uh who we just have at 0.1 in trade value uh right-handed pitcher grant gambrel who we have at 0.7 and outfielder Freddy Valdez, who we have at 2.4. So no huge names, but we did expect the names to have some level of value to them, and clearly they do. 
Um, and that kind of coincides with Winchowski getting a boost. He's been kind of rising pretty well. He's throwing upper 90s now at this point. Uh, Benintendi, as I mentioned, he's kind of returned to form. And, and Cordero, as I mentioned, he's been a mess. So there's been some adjustments here and there. So it's hard to say for sure, oh, this was a perfectly fair deal from day one. I don't think we can say that. Yeah. But I think we can say that at this point it makes sense and I'm ready to put this trade in our rearview mirror yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no, there's nothing that's out of, too far out of whack. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it mm-hmm. that way. Everybody kind of got what they needed and it was relatively in range. So it's it's close enough for, you know, now we can wrap our hands and wipe our hands of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So <laughs> I, 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 we needed to mention it. I, I'm busy. I'm done stumbling over my words for this trade. We're moving on. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Let's move on to a simpler one. And this one was just from uh, from this morning, I believe. So the Giants traded right-handed reliever Matt Whistler to the Rays in exchange for minor league left-handed pitcher Michael Plasmeyer. I Plasmeyer's name is familiar. Was he also recently traded in the he last was, couple of years, or was he just a riser? Or... No, he was traded in the Jake Fraley uh, trade. Ah. He came from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who else was in that deal. I've got it up in the comments somewhere. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I knew I knew, recognized the name, and I mean, it's Plasmeyer is a pretty recognizable name anyway. Zanino. Uh, so Zanino uh, and Plasmeyer to the Rays for Fraley, and I think there was some other minor thing. So, yeah, it was like two years mm-hmm. ago. <clears throat> and, and there is cash uh, headed yeah. to the Rays as well to cover some of Whistler's contract. Whistler had been DFA'd by the Giants. Um, he was very good for the Twins last year, but peripherals didn't back it up at all and then he was pretty sloppy for the giants this year if i'm not mistaken um yeah 605 era but not the best but uh, knowing the rays you know they're going to turn him around whatever he's going to open for them game five of the alds it won't, yeah everyone's going to make a big deal out of it <laughs> but so, so so reading up on this there's a pattern of where the rays find uh relievers who they like who have one good out pitch yeah and, and in whistler's case it's his slider it has mm-hmm. been very effective for him at times but he has trouble with his command and the one other thing the rays know how to do is fix guys commands uh they have a consistent pattern of doing that and that's what they're that's what they're targeting here is like the pitch like give me one quality pitch and a guy who can't quite control it and we'll fix it um mm-hmm. So and it didn't really cost him much at all. So so mm-hmm. it was a fair deal. It's shades of Chaz Rowe or Sergio Romo. Yeah. He's he's their next one of those kind of. Yeah, I think so. That's <laughs> at least that's what they hope for. And uh, yeah. and as far as Plasmeyer goes, he's a reliever, lefty reliever, uh, good control guy, and he's he's been an interesting prospect. Um, uh, he's in Double A right now, I believe. Um, but you know, just kind of a. Minor league relief arm for a guy they DFA'd. I'm sure the Giants are happy with that. As far as the values go, we have it as pretty close. Uh, we have Whistler at 0.3, and uh, we don't know the exact value of the cash, so we're kind of estimating 0.5 for now. Um, and then we have Plasmire at 1.2, so 0.8 yep. to 1.2, pretty fair in our book. Yeah, exactly. And um, we actually downgraded um, Whistler a little bit because when you're DFA'd, you don't have as mm-hmm. much. The team that DFA's you doesn't have as much leverage. Otherwise, it would have been you know, closer to 1.2. So anyway, mm-hmm. fair deal. <clears throat> mm-hmm. All right. We have a couple more uh, minor Giants deals now to just run through real quick. Uh, they acquired right-handed reliever Sam Delaplane from the Mariners in exchange for cash considerations. Uh, we had Delaplane at 0.6. He's actually a bit of a relief prospect, um, uh, an interesting arm for sure. The problem is uh, he had Tommy John surgery in April, so mm-hmm. he's going to be out for a while. 
Um, and he hasn't, he's obviously not yet established. He hasn't made it, I, I believe, above double A. Um, uh, he might have been in triple A. But regardless, he, he's minor league arm. Uh, so they were able, I think he was a 40-man casualty, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, for the for the Mariners. Um, but yeah, we had him at point six, like I said, just for cash considerations. So a good little gamble there for Farhan. Yeah, there's, some, there's the some, yeah, exactly. There's some upside there. Why not just stash him and hope he recovers and you know plays well for you two years from now. Mm-hmm. And then the last one here for the Giants, uh, they picked up minor league catcher Bruce Maxwell from the Mets in exchange for cash considerations. Uh, Maxwell, obviously, he's he's had a an interesting history, interesting story for him. He was one of those first, I think he was the first player to kneel way back when. It was a handful of years ago, and then his performance really fell apart after that. He had some off-field issues. He gained a lot of weight, um, and he, he was almost, he was pretty much out of baseball. He found his way to the Mexican League and actually did very well down there. Um, and it was kind of a surprise when he came back stateside this season, signed a minor league deal with the Mets. Uh, didn't really do much in their system, and so the Giants just picked him up as catching depth, uh, sent him to double a i believe did the giants have an injury behind the plate recently i know i know posey's fine uh did i see casali is hurt now i think so because Trump was up? playing Chad, yeah Trump came up so that must yeah. have been the case <clears throat> so this was just kind of backfilling depth here but yeah yeah, uh, we dropped him out of our system a while back, and I didn't yeah. have any, any reason to add him back in unless yeah. he becomes a major leaguer again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not too often you see somebody trading for a, a 30-ish year old, like former major league veteran that's now in the minors, and then assign him to Double A. Yeah. <laughs> so right. that that should kind of tell you what <laughs> what they're thinking about his on-field value yeah, <laughs> and, right. and his trade value. All right, now we're gonna stay in the NL West. The D-backs reacquired Ildemaro Vargas. They had DFA'd him a couple years back, and then he bounced around the league a little bit. Ended up with the Pirates, cut, got cut from the Pirates, and then ends up back on the D-backs um, in exchange for cash. Again, just a very, just a depth move here. We do have Vargas uh, at 1.1 in trade value, despite his kind of roster risk, despite the DFAs. Uh, he does have some good contact skills. He's versatile, plays all over the infield, switch hitter. Uh, not a bad bench piece to have, yeah. but not setting the, the world on fire either. And so it was just, just for cash considerations. Yeah, and, and you know he tends to get picked up every time he's DFA'd. <clears throat> so there's usefulness there. At least it, you know, mm-hmm. he's a bench guy, but, but mm-hmm. teams certainly find him useful. But the thing is, he's out of options. So you, yeah. you pick him up, you use him for however long you need him, and then he's gone again. Mm-hmm. All right. Back to the relief pool, Braves picked up right-handed reliever Ty Tice from the Blue Jays in exchange for cash considerations. He's another one who was a bit of a minor league relief prospect and just hasn't really put it together in the big leagues. Um, But again, just a nice little gamble. And I've noticed the Braves doing a little bit of that this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've picked up a lot of semi-interesting kind of stash arms to... To, mm-hmm. and, and it makes sense. Their bullpen has been a bit of an issue at the major league level. So if one or two of these guys can click, then maybe that's one or two guys they don't have to acquire at the deadline to fix that bullpen. So we only have Tice at point one uh, because of his major league struggles, and he's getting pretty far from his uh, minor league success, and he's always had some walk issues. And so he's he's no nothing crazy here, but he does have minor league options left, so he's going to give the Braves some flexibility and a little bit of upside there as well. Mm-hmm. All right, then the Rays traded one of my favorite names in baseball, Yaxel Rios, <laughs> to the <laughs> Seattle Mariners for cash. Uh, he was signed to the Rays on a minor league deal, and he actually isn't on the 40-man, so it was, he's 
not a 40-man consideration for the uh, for the Mariners at all. Um, again, just another depth move here. We had Yaxel at zero exactly, <laughs> so he he hasn't really done anything in the big leagues. He's been a one of those quad A types, minor league performer who continues to get these big league opportunities because he is performing down there and then doesn't do much with them. Uh, but depth arm and the Mariners have had their own issues as far as bullpen health and bullpen success. So depth arm for them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I have and, nothing else to say about that. He was once yeah, kind of good, but that yeah. was a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these, yeah, I'm, I, I'm pausing for a response and then realizing <laughs> there's not a whole lot to say about Ty yeah. Tyson, Yaxel Rios. I'm sure they're great guys, but yeah. <laughs> from our from our angle here, I'm mentioning them because we have to mention them. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, but this last one's at least a little interesting. Maybe you'll have something to say here. Uh, Cleveland traded Jake Bowers to the Mariners. And so Bowers, again, another DFA uh, casualty uh, by Cleveland. Uh, he was in that weird trade with the Rays a few years back, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep, Yandy Diaz uh, went, went Yeah, Yandy, that's who it Cleveland was. Cleveland to Tampa. And it was a three-way, actually. There were a number mm-hmm. of... Uh, Carlos Santana was in there, uh-huh. and Cash, and all sorts of things. Yeah, um, that was... A weird, <laughs> weird trade at the time, <laughs> and it's. Yeah. I don't know if it's turned out exactly how any of those teams expected it to. Um, no, but I remember um, Tampa saying, "Hey, we really, you know, nothing against Jake Bowers, but we really like Yandy Diaz." And he, he, another guy where they, you know, he had high exit velocity, and they figured, but he was mm-hmm. grounding. He was hitting the ground way too much, and they were trying mm-hmm. to get him to to lift it more. And so that was another fix it situation for the Rays mm-hmm. and they sort of did sort of did like yeah he's been okay yeah Not huge but he's okay but he's better than Bowers I mean Cleveland got mm-hmm. the run if you just look at it one for one that way yeah um, that's that's fair yeah <clears throat> Bowers did have more helium at the time of that trade so people were kind of scratching their heads but yeah like you said like Yandy had great exit velo he's massive he's always mm-hmm. been jacked um but this season he's still pounding the ball Excuse me. He's still pounding the ball into the ground. Um, <laughs> he has one homer this year. Yeah. However, so all right. He's very okay. good against lefties. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a little bit of defensive versatility, and he's a great on-base guy. And so he's he's definitely a useful major league piece, especially for a team like the Rays that's going to mix and match and, and get the most out of him. So yeah, they they've probably got the better of this deal considering they're not DFAing Diaz anytime soon, and Bowers did get cut. Yeah, um, Bowers just did, couldn't. Yeah, you know, they. I remember they, they put him in left field at one point, um, mm-hmm. and he just couldn't. He looked totally lost out there. I mean, he's a first base DH only guy, but even then, he he struggled to hit. I mean, he has a little bit of on base skills if I remember correctly. Uh, but um, you know, so there's still a chance that he could turn something around. He was a prospect at one point that had, as you mm-hmm. noted, some helium. So he was a top 100 guy at least. So there was something there, but he's completely lost his footing. So. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, hopefully Seattle can turn him around. Mm-hmm. A couple notes on those uh, on Bowers, his trade history. He was actually uh, included in the Will Myers Trey Turner trade, ah, apparently uh, from 2014. Uh, that's how he ended up on the Rays, and then that Cleveland deal, uh, that, that that the deal that sent him to Cleveland and Diaz to Tampa Bay, also sent Edwin Encarnacion and yeah. a pick to right. Seattle. So right. Seattle was involved in that trade, and now they get Bowers out of it, too. Yeah. Um, also in that deal, Carlos Santana to Cleveland and mm-hmm. uh, Cole Sulcer to Tampa Bay. Yeah, and some uh, money. But we, but we have uh, Jake Bowers <laughs> at 
So there's a little bit of upside there, and a team like the Mariners who could really use their their offense has been dreadful. They could really use any help they could possibly get. Why not take a flyer on this guy? That they had they've had a couple decent weeks here and there, but this isn't their year yet. They're not their window isn't quite open yet, so they're still in the position to yeah. take gambles on guys like that. Yeah, and we don't know who the PTBNL is going back to Cleveland. Yeah. It's probably a minor prospect, I would imagine, given the value mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. All right, so those are all of the uh, trades from the last couple weeks. Let's hop into a couple of quick rumors and then uh, a couple other transactions. Uh, first of all, the Padres remain, quote, particularly interested in Joey Gallo. Uh, so that's an interesting fit there. Um, obviously, they have Trent Grisham, who has been a superstar for them in center field. He's a great mm-hmm. defender. Um, that was a fantastic trade by them, the Luis Urias deal from a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's hurt right now, but it's not really a long-term thing. So you'd, you'd figure that's not who Gallo's kind of replacing. And then their corner outfield situation has been a little bit less clear. Tommy Fan has been kind of hit and miss. Will Myers, same thing. Neither of them are fantastic defenders, while Gallo is a pretty solid defender in the corner spots. Um, so you see the fit there, and, and you also see the obvious A.J. Preller connection. Preller was mm-hmm. with the Rangers for a long time, probably when they drafted Gallo. Um, and now he's running the show in San Diego. So that's an interesting and kind of exciting fit. Um, and, and one I had personally hadn't really considered for Gallo, uh, but I think it does make sense. Yeah, if... Um... If they, you know, what happens when the other guys come back though? When mm-hmm. Grisham and, and I think Myers is, yeah, but those are t- to your point. Those are temporary uh, IL stints, and they could use the offense now. But is he going to be? Is somebody going to get squeezed out if they got him? And then, you know, everybody's healthy. I don't know. I guess he can't mm-hmm. ever have too much depth. I mean, certainly the Padres have mm-hmm. been using, you know, the Brian O'Grady's of the world lately. So you know, why not? Um, mm-hmm. But um, but. You know, I don't know if you want to talk about the trade proposal that reflects this that we have as a featured trade or not, but it might be a good good time to get into it. Sure, um, um, I do not have that pulled up. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. So okay, so, go ahead. Are <laughs> uh, one of our users, um, Michael, posted this. It's it has Gallo going to the Padres. We have Gallo right now at 28, um, and the Rangers would get back uh, Robert Hassel, who's a you know major prospect for them, outfielder at 24.2. Uh, Tukapita Marcano at 4.1, and I don't know the first name of this other player, Angelus at 1.6. So it's 28 to 29, so it's a fair value trade. Um, now, the key point here is if, if the Padres are going to trade for Gallo, they got to give up something fairly high value. And, you know, they've depleted a whole bunch of farm pieces from previous trades. Their, their top, you know, their top prospects are really Abrams, Gore, and uh, if you want to include Camposano in that. Um, mm-hmm and hassle but then after that there's a big drop off in value now you're getting into like the really low single digits so to get gallo they'd have to give up one of those higher value guys and hassle seems like the, the most obvious one because he's a young outfielder i think he's only like 19 at, at some point he was a high school draft pick recently mm-hmm. so but he's got some helium he's i think already on some top 50 lists um so that would be the main interesting i'm sure the rangers if if they knew preller wanted them would ask for hassle uh they mm-hmm. probably couldn't get abrams they probably couldn't get gore but that would be the one and they don't have a need i don't think for camposano because they've got uh, sam hub as their future catcher so i think but they would i think they could use some outfielders so um but the question is does hassle have so much helium and upside that the Padres would give him up 
for Gallo, for a year and a half of Gallo, it's close, you know? That's why the values are close. <laughs> and, and I think it's a different question than it would be for most teams, because I think we've seen in the past that Preller isn't afraid to make trades that aren't the best on paper on a league-wide standpoint. He's he's very confident in his and his organization's evaluations of their guys. So maybe, and I, this is pure speculation because we have no idea what he thinks and what the team thinks of Hassel, uh, but if it is a situation where Hassel has all this helium and the Padres see him a little differently, maybe that it is a situation where they sell high on him. Or be. alternatively, maybe he's got all this helium and the Padres are even higher on him, and so he's in that Abrams category of untouchable. Yeah. We don't know, and Padre, uh, excuse me, Preller is the wild card, uh, gen- the wild card executive in baseball <laughs> right now, where. We really we can take our best shot with with the values and with proposals like this, but if anyone's gonna screw us up, it's him. And yeah. so, I I agree. This is a, probably a pretty fair framework. I don't know if I'd do it as the Padres, just based on as you mentioned, it's a pretty crowded situation. I mean, Gallo can play first base if you need him to, so you figure you can play some matchups there. Not everyone's gonna be healthy all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Myers and Hosmer haven't been performing as well this season as they did last year. So maybe there's room to kind of supplant them a little bit there. Obviously they're on big contracts, so he's not going to fully replace them, but you know, extra day off here and there. Yeah. But, I, I, yeah. Yeah. It, <clears throat> I, I think the framework is there, but I think it would have to be hassle going back. Mm-hmm. And the interesting, the other interesting thing is what it signals is, you know, the Padres are still, you know, not afraid to pull the trigger and go for it because they mm-hmm. made all these moves. They have this super team almost that they built and they've had some injuries and they're like, okay, we got to get our super team going and we got to win this whole thing, you know? So like, who else can we get? So they're at that point where they're just going to, you know, take that final step or two, I think. And they might even be in the market for uh, a starting pitcher as well because they've had some mm-hmm. injuries there too. So who knows? And maybe um, Ryan Weathers is the only other one that comes to mind where I think he might be available if they wanted to swap out a young pitcher for a more established one mm-hmm. or for Gallo. So they, but, you know, Hassel and Weathers are like the only guys that are sort of in that ballpark of as, as tradable quality young, mm-hmm. you know, prospects ish. You know, so um, one of those I think might mm-hmm. get moved. But they might not even want to move on from Weathers since he's been providing some major league value for them this season. They've used him in kind yeah. of multi inning. Yeah role and yeah. you know, he's been pretty effective for them in that role so yeah. uh maybe maybe that's a piece they piece they are even kind of hesitant to part with um gallo was in our first round of updates he took a bit of a hit he was off to a real slow start to the year uh but he has rebounded in the last month or so um and that's i i, I suppose i should have led the show with this um once we get through the transactions we'll be discussing our latest round of updates from uh the beginning of june here and he was one of those guys who really benefited in those updates um, just looking at his numbers now, if I told you that Joey Gallo has the lowest strikeout rate of his career, uh, what number would you guess that would be? Strikeout rate? Yes. <clears throat> Are you talking about K for nine or percentage? Uh, percent, percent, yeah. I don't know. Fifteen? Uh, <laughs> I'm totally you making think- it. He so no 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 sorry sorry he's much higher than that thirty yes right? <laughs> yeah so his his current strikeout rate which would be a career low if he could keep it going thirty two point four 
Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. What am I thinking? Okay. Yeah. That's more like But he's but I mean that's that's just who he is. That's how he's built. He's walking a ton too and he's still hitting for his Joey Gallo power, so he's got mm-hmm. a one twenty three WRC plus, uh, despite all those strikeouts. Uh, he's not a Javi Baez where oh god we gotta we gotta be worried now because he's not walking either. Uh, yeah. But so yeah, he has rebounded and he is looking like himself again. And and get Joey Gallo, even if he's we discussed it last episode with uh, the rumors and the trade proposal of Joey Gallo to the Yankees, how he's mm-hmm. a kind of horrible fit there and and the fan base would just hate him for the strikeouts and everything and he's not the most visually appealing player to watch he's he's the three true outcomes guy he's the epitome of 2020 2021 baseball yeah um, right. but he's also a very valuable player because he's so good at so many different things and, and and the defense really helps him out too um yeah right so still still a valuable asset um and i see why the interest is there and i agree that hassle is probably the name it has to be um i'm gonna give a crack at this uh, third name in in the deal, uh, he's I I'm gonna butcher this for sure. Yuri Biel Angeles. <laughs> Good job. Took some Spanish. <laughs> yes, Yuri Biel. I, I that's a that's a new one to me. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, one more rumor uh, to hit on here, and it's a bit of a smaller one here. Uh, it's actually going back to Benintendi really quick. Um, during the offseason, while the Benintendi stuff was going on, one of the teams that was rumored to be most interested was the Miami Marlins. And it seemed like there was actually some some smoke there. It seemed like we were actually getting close to something. Uh, but then kind of all of a sudden it was like, oh, never mind, the Marlins are backing out here. And then a week or two later, Benintendi ends up in Kansas City. And so recently we found out that at least part of the holdup on that deal, which would have been a three-team deal with Boston and the Padres, would have been sending... Uh, utility Marlins utility man John Birdie to the Padres, and so part of why the, uh, reportedly part of why the Marlins backed out here was because uh, they really wanted to hang on to Birdie. He's a, a pretty useful major league piece for them. Fills in all over the field, even though he's been struggling a bit this year. But still, they're we think he's a pretty valuable piece. We have him at 7.6 million in trade value. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit, kind of give you a peek behind the curtain of uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Again, three-team deal, so many more moving parts, so many names we don't know about what would have been involved in that deal uh, that it's it's we can't say for sure whether, oh, they should have done it or they shouldn't have done it or whatever. Um, I, I guess you can say in hindsight with how poorly Corey Dickerson and Adam Duvall have performed this season that and how decent Benintendi has been that, yeah, maybe they should have pulled the trigger there. Uh, but I don't know, just wanted to at least mention uh, yeah, I, I always love it when we get these tidbits about kind of the trades that could have happened. Yeah, so. I, yeah, I do too as well. It is interesting. Um, I did find it interesting that Miami really didn't make any major moves in the off season. I think, given that um, Kimming was fairly new to her job, she probably wanted to get the lay of the land a little bit before making any rash moves. I mean, there mm-hmm. were some rumors, and so I'm wondering if they were coming from other sources, not necessarily within the Marlins front office. You know, I, I, you know, they were probably bantering around, you know, batting around a whole bunch of scenarios, right? But I, I think she was playing it conservatively until she got a better handle on what she had and what she may, she might have needed. I think as we go forward, they'll probably get a little bit more clarity on what their strategy is and what their moves are going to be. You know, they're still in the bubble too, where you know people even now sometimes assume they're going to be sellers, but they're not that far out of it right now. So and they have some ups and downs. So. 
we'll see. Um, but I think they need a clear strategy, and I think she's capable of giving them one, but I didn't think she had one at the time, so it's probably mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. All right, and then let's finish out here with just a couple quick transactions um, of a, a few notable players, actually. Uh, first, maybe less notable of a player uh, for his on-field contribution, but because of this whole saga, the Mariners designated Jacob Nottingham for assignment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least he lasted, I think, a week or two with the team this time around. Oh, there's a kudos to MLB trade rumors. It's a nice little timeline here of events here for me to look at here. April 22nd, Brewers DFA Nottingham. April 28th, Mariners <laughs> claim him. May 1st, Mariners designate. May 2nd, Brewers reacquire him for cash. May 20th, Mariners reclaim him off waivers. June 8th, Mariners DFA Jacob Nottingham. <laughs> yeah, so your move, Milwaukee. <laughs> Pack your bags, Jacob. I sure hope there's a nonstop flight between Seattle and Milwaukee. I'm sure there is, but... <laughs> yeah, we joked about this before, and it just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I believe, so So this was June 8th, and so I haven't seen whether he's cleared waivers. Um, I'm assuming he hasn't yet. I'm sure he's got another day or two. Um, <laughs> and that makes At me this think point, that nobody if... else is going to claim him because they're just yeah. figuring, okay, Milwaukee, he's yours, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm taking the other approach. If Milwaukee hasn't claimed him yet, I don't think they are going to this time around. Maybe he'll actually stick with the Mariners, get uh-huh. outrighted or something. We'll, uh-huh. we'll have to... I'm going to be watching that very closely, probably much more closely than anyone not related to Jacob Nottingham. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then a couple more significant ones for real reasons. Uh, The Phillies outrighted Scott Kingery. And so this was a a bit of an interesting timeline here. So Kingery uh, report, uh, according to a tweet I saw, um, I believe they had originally put him through waivers. um, And then immediately after they had put him through waivers, he had been diagnosed with a concussion. So while he was going through waivers, they put him on the injured list, and so the waivers didn't process until after, and then whole, whole bunch of that logistical nonsense there. Um, but regardless, he was activated from the injured list and immediately outrighted to AAA, uh, which takes him off the 40-man roster entirely, and he's been a disaster for them. Not mm-hmm. quite to the uh, Jonathan Singleton levels of disaster, as far as prospects who signed guaranteed major league deals before they made the big leagues. Singleton was a mess. Uh, Kingery's at least shown some flashes and done a little bit, and he at least has some defensive value, but he just hasn't hit. His career slash line is 229, 280, 387. Not great. Uh, He's also hasn't really found a defensive home. I mean, it's not necessarily that he's a bad defender, but he just, I mean, between not hitting enough to get a starting role, he's been kind of this utility guy that just kind of bounces around. Um, And he's been doing this while being on what was originally a six-year, $24 million contract uh, signed yep. prior to the 2018 <clears throat> season. So he's still making $4 million this year, and then he's going to be owed $15 million the next three seasons. And he has a couple team options that <laughs> probably not getting... So I, I mean, stranger things have happened, but as of now, not getting exercised. Um, and it, it's looking like he's got a long hill to climb to make his way back into, uh, into the organization's good graces and... and kind of yeah. reached reach the peak that uh, a lot of people expected from him when he signed that contract. So yeah, a bit so... of a disappointing story there. And it's kind of <laughs> a, a bit of a word of caution. I mean, a lot of these, uh, the the Phillies probably aren't crying over $24 million. That's a pretty low guarantee still, but just a bit of a reminder that not all of these kind of pre-major league deals uh, that are signed by prospects or young players, they, they don't always work out. No, they don't. They're still relatively rare, um, mm-hmm. but you 
you get the sense that you want to see a little bit more evidence of production at the major league level before you you take that mm-hmm. plunge, you know? I mean, Evan White of the Mariners is also not performing well. He's mm-hmm. a good fielder, but he's not hitting at all. So his contract is already negative, according to our model. Um, and so that's another one that could go even further south. But Kingery, he's just totally lost it. So there's no field value at all, which is why they, even, they couldn't even justify the roster spot. Once you get your field value down below zero. I mean, there's, yeah, there's just nothing, no reason to at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one's going to take that contract. So, you know, at this point, um, you know, he could be released and somebody else could try him for major league minimum and see if mm-hmm. they can, you know, fix him. But uh, he's certainly lost, you know, good luck to him, but uh, at least yeah. he's making money for the next few yeah. years. He's sad, you know. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it seems more likely at least in the immediate future, uh, Phillies give him some time at AAA and see if he can kind of yeah. find it again and and give they they're they're gonna give him every opportunity, I think to uh, to rebound to kind of make make something out of their investment here. Um, they're not at the point yet probably of cutting him entirely and letting some other team take a chance, but that does look like where we're headed eventually uh, yeah. at this point, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And then last move here, the Rangers DFA'd Chris Davis for assignment. Um, we've talked a lot about Chris Davis over the last couple of months. He was in that big, weird trade uh, with Oakland uh, that sent Elvis Andrews back. And Elvis Andrews has been a mess as well, but that's not what we're talking about right now. Uh, Chris Davis missed a lot of time uh, with an injury to start the year and then didn't do much when he came back. And at this point, it's been a couple of years in a row of no real offensive production from a guy who only provides offensive value. And uh, they just decided that he wasn't worth the roster spot. They have some young players that they want to get some plate appearances. So might as well clear that space for them by getting rid of Davis. He is owed a ton of money still this season. And so they're going to be eating that. Uh, but that was kind of they knew they were going to be eating that going into it. They, that was part of the deal. That was the main impetus for the deal on both ends was making right. money more favorable for both sides. I mean, uh, Davis's contract for was 16.7 million for this season only, and then he's a free agent after the year, so it's really just a one-year hit for the Rangers, whereas the A's took on kind of a two-year hit with Elvis Andrews. So it's, again, another one that's just disappointing to see a guy's... Not, not a guy's career end. He's certainly got more... There's going to be teams willing to take a chance on him, at least at the minor league contract level. Um, at some point along the line here, he's he's shown himself historically to be such a big power threat, such a consistent hitter that there's going to be teams willing to say, oh, maybe he's healthy now. Maybe he'll get it going, whatever. Um, but still, it's disappointing to see such a sharp fall from grace from one of the most consistent power hitters for a few years there. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I can see, you know, assuming he clears waivers, which he will, um, you know, he'll he'll be available for anybody at the league minimum. And mm-hmm there's a small chance, you know, somebody could use a right-handed power bat that won't cost them anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, Tampa's been looking for uh, a right-handed power bat. Maybe they take mm-hmm. a shot at him for nothing, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, I think he'll land somewhere, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other sort of interesting thing I thought was that, you know, back a few years ago, um, Chris Davis was traded by Milwaukee for... I I know where this is going. I don't. (laughs) Listeners might be able to guess. (laughs) Jacob Nottingham, same day DFA. Those two are somehow linked in fate. I don't know how, but it just works that way. (laughs) 
So what you're saying is the Mariners are going to claim Chris Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's some weird triangle going on between Milwaukee and Seattle. I don't know. <laughs> Third piece in that deal, Bubba Derby. I believe he's still in yeah. Milwaukee's organization. Uh, we'll keep a close eye on him as well. I'm sure Jerry Depoto's got his eyes on him. Well, needless to say, the A's got the most value out of that deal. If you yes, <laughs> definitely. All right, so that's it for transactions for this week. Um, and now let's uh, we, we still have a whole lot to cover this episode. We've got our trade of the week. Uh, we already went through uh, kind of our first trade of the week with that Gallo proposal, and now we have a second one here. And then after that, we have all of our player updates. So let's get moving right along with this second trade of the week. Uh, this one is uh, Pirates and White Sox. And it's submitted by user Echo... Uh, <laughs> Echo... Echo Land? Echo... something? E-C-O-H-O-L-A-N. Okay. Sure. Uh, thanks for the submission, even if your name is illegible. Uh, <laughs> let's. So this one's got... Actually, it's pretty timely here. Um, it's a name that's been in the news a lot, and it's to a team that's been in the news a lot lately. Um, so it would send infielder slash outfielder utility man... Adam Frazier to the White Sox, and he's been hot lately. His value is up. He's up at $10.9 million in trade value. And in exchange, three right-handed pitchers heading back to the Pirates. It's former first-round pick Jared Kelly at $5.4 million, Jonathan Stever at 2.2, and is this Matt Thompson at 3.3? Yeah. Matthew I had Thompson. the name. Yeah. yeah, Matthew Thompson at $3.3 million. So yeah. uh, it's, a fairly, it's a completely even trade, 10-9 for each side. Um, according to votes on the site, I'm just going to refresh the page really quick and see if there's any uh, any more thumbs up, thumbs down since I originally loaded this. Yes, the Pirates have eight thumbs up, two down. White Sox have four up, none down. So it seems pretty, uh, pretty appreciated on both sides here. Uh, the White Sox have an opening at second base now, now that Nick Madrigal is on the 60-day injured list and might be undergoing, I believe, hamstring surgery, uh, which would cost yeah. him the season, yeah. uh, which is a rough blow for him. He already missed a lot of time. Uh, last season with a with a different injury and we've really he's a really fun and unique player with a high contact rate and some speed and not a lot of power and it's it's fun to watch him on the field so it's a bummer that he just can't seem to stay on the field uh but Frazier is a pretty logical replacement there considering that he's a, a primary second baseman but with some versatility there and he's been hitting really well left-handed bat I know the White Sox lean pretty right-handed at least in their in their premier bats so maybe a good fit for them and he's also just the the exact type of player that Tony Larusa would target that that yeah. he would love you know he's the type that Larusa would bat second every day like he's been doing with Adam Eaton, um, and and the price on paper looks pretty steep. I, I think a lot of people are going to be turned off by Jared Kelly being in there because they see oh he was a first round pick and we know he throws so hard and yada 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 and and look at what they did with Garrett Crochet and how uh, how successful he's been. But I, I think. There's so much relief risk with Kelly that, and I think all of our prospect outlets have been correctly baking that into their evaluations, and that's why he ends up at 5'4", uh, rather than being a real blue chip piece. And and beyond, the, it's a pretty weak White Sox farm system, so they're going to have to give up a, a handful of guys if they're going to make a deal like this work, if they're going to make a real upgrade there. Um, so I think it's pretty fair. Maybe it takes a little bit too much of a hit out of their pitching depth. I know... Stever is at least kind of close to the majors or is he is he even in the majors yeah he's already uh, had a yeah. shot or two yeah yeah so maybe they sub out a pitcher here for some lower <laughs> level position player just so they're not taking out too much pitching depth at once here um but it looks 
fair to me. I would be hesitant to buy high on Adam Frazier right now. It seems like he's probably going to come back down to earth a little bit <laughs> if you wait. Um, and maybe that's maybe the price goes down a little bit once we get to July, but it also maybe goes up because maybe there's more injuries and more competition for him. So yeah. Uh, as of now, it looks like a pretty fair deal. Maybe you'd adjust it a little bit on the White Sox side, but uh, other than that, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um... I'd like the framework to a point. So, so for some context here, so Jim Bowden of MLB Network Radio and The Athletic, and you know, he's the one that's sort of been proposing this uh, ever since mm-hmm. Magical's, you know, injury was announced, and he's, he's been pounding the floor on it. Um, and so, um, I actually responded to one of his tweets saying, "Hey, you know, here's what it would take." And so, the three that I used as an example package were Kelly, uh, Jose Rodriguez, who's a young shortstop with some upside, and uh, and I think the third piece was uh, Tyler Johnson, right-hand pitcher. So I was trying to mix it up so it wasn't all pitcher heavy. You know, mm-hmm. the other thing is, um, to your point about Kelly, um, he's off to a rough start. I mean, he was a high school draft pick. And, you know, those guys are always huge, extreme bust risks. And, you know, he's already off to it. Like, he's he has no control. He's walking everybody. And now it's still a short sample size. But, you know, he's, he's questionable whether, you know, it's too, too small a sample size to – to downgrade him or anything, but he's already sort of showing that some of that iffiness that people are afraid of. Um, and Stever, uh, yeah, <clears throat> has not shown anything at all at the major league level. Um, like, you know, he's actually been pretty, pretty bad. So his stock <laughs> has gone down a little bit. So it's not like, so I actually question this from the pirate side. Like, do we want two guys who are trending down? <laughs> you know, should we get a mm-hmm. little bit more sort of, you know, typically when you get prospects you want to see them performing but you want to sense get a sense that they've got some positive momentum you know so especially if you're trading one of your best chips so i think that maybe there may be a couple different pieces to swap in but the other thing is you know adam fraser is controllable he's not a rental he's controllable for another year after this and so the question is do it do they is it smarter to go with just a rental to replace magical or do they want that extra year because that extra year is going to cost them and they don't like to your point they don't have much of a farm to play with so then you start thinking well what are the other options um you could you know, get Jonathan Scope from the Tigers, who's gotten hot off to a cold start, but now he's been very hot and he's got some positive value. Wouldn't take much. Um, you could Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks is another option. He's been playing mm-hmm. primarily third base, but he has played second in the past. Or you could flip flop him with uh, Moncada, who's played second in the past, and put Escobar third, and he wouldn't cost much. So you could get cheaper without giving up the prospect capital. You know, options there. I don't know if they have the right left thing going on, but they. You know, they maybe not be as hot as Frazier, but it might make sense because they're rentals and you probably only need them for the rest of the year because Magical will be back next year. So I question it from that point of view as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. Um, there. There are always, it seems, a lot of options on the second base market, and that kind of goes into <clears throat> what we the, the adjustments we've made over the last couple of years where we, it seems like every year we have to give second basemen an even harsher and harsher downgrade for their position. Yeah. Uh, just because it seems like teams are more and more willing to play literally anyone at second base and not pay for second base defense or yeah. even in some cases second base offense. <laughs> but right. you're looking at a guy like Colton Wong who doesn't get any money, Cesar Hernandez, um, in free agency. And so we haven't really seen a player of that. I'd say Frazier is like firmly in that group as far as a uh, on-field perspective from mm-hmm. year to year. Mm-hmm. He's around that range of value of player. Um, 
and we haven't really seen a trade of a guy like that recently. We've really more seen, you know, Scope go as a rental every now and then or mm-hmm. whoever else. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how heavy that uh, penalty is for a guy with team control, for a guy who's in a trade rather than just signing him for however much you want to pay him. Right. Um, so I wonder, yeah, I wonder if, if that really plays a role there. And, and maybe it is smarter for them to go with a Scope or a Escobar in this case. Yeah, I do think they have options. So um, I'm not totally sold on this. I do see, you know, you could always use Frazier's versatility, even if you kept him around mm-hmm. next year for plugging any hole you have. You know, mm-hmm. they are down two other outfielders. You could plug them there if you had somebody else. So, you know, there's ways to go here where you could make it work. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's fine. I think it's a totally fine and fair deal. Uh, but I think there's ways we could kind of look at it, alternative options and alternative from the uh, package the White Sox would give up. So. Mm-hmm. And Frazier's going to go somewhere. We've, yeah. we've been talking about him for years now, and I think every time I'm always at least a little surprised that he doesn't end up getting moved either in the offseason or at the deadline. But it seems like, you know, the Pirates are finally getting off their feet. We've talked about it before, how Sherrington, uh, um, he kind mm-hmm. of inherited the team and then just kind of sat sat on his hands for a year or so to kind of get familiarize himself with the team and with the organization and everything. Um, and then after kind of sitting around for a year, that's when he starts to be a little bit more aggressive. He trades Josh Bell, he trades Jamison Tyone, he trades Joe Musgrove. So it seems like they're now finally going to start getting some value from these pieces and really kicking into this rebuild full steam ahead. And so that, and with how well Frazier is performing with how much they could get for him right now, it seems like the stars are really aligning here for him to finally get out of Pittsburgh. Sell high Um, Pittsburgh. (laughs) I saw a crazy stat that like, uh, I believe it was from MLB Random Stats on Twitter that of all players the last, I believe, three years, I believe it's since twenty started 2019, uh, the players the player who has produced the highest percentage of his team's runs and RBI is Adam Frazier. <laughs> so yeah. he, he's been the player most solely responsible for his team's run scoring as far as the traditional statistics go. So that's... Interesting. It's just a function of him being near the top of the lineup and healthy for a few years in a row and pretty productive for a few years in a row. But interesting little tidbit there. I don't think it means anything significant. I don't think it means he's better than we think he is. Just just a fun little stat. No, but I tell you, my son has played little league teams like that where there's like one guy who's like really good and does everything, and the rest of them are like afraid of the ball. You know, like, that's kind of the Pirates this year. You know? I mean, the Pirates are afraid of first base. Yes, they are. <laughs> I, I don't want to dunk too hard on them. I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for the Pirates and, and their fans. And yeah, hey, at least right. you got a beautiful ballpark and some pretty cool uniforms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one last thing I actually wanted to, to just check in with you on before we get into our updates here. Um, actually, thank, thanks again to however you pronounce your name, Echo Holen, <laughs> for this trade proposal. Um, but really quickly, I just wanted to ask you, how are you feeling on... On, on two different rumors that have really just continued to swirl in the last couple weeks. Uh, first, Trevor's story to the A's. Have you changed your mind on that at all, or are you still kind of not not seeing the fit from a either a prospect or a money standpoint? I'm still in the latter camp. I'm not seeing a fit. I've I've softened just a hair. Um, I I still don't think it's realistic. The other thing is, despite the you know ugliness of Elvis Andrus' stat line, he has been hitting a little bit more lately, so it's mm-hmm. like now you start to have to 
think, well, is he going to get hot? And do they really need a shortstop? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's going to have to be an obvious case. Um, so, but I don't think they have to, there's another, um, problem here because the A's don't really have, I mean, if they're, if we're right about stories value right now, we have them around 21, it might go down a little bit as time goes on to like the teens. But even then I don't, know if the a's have the prospect capital to get him let alone the money like i could see the money working out a little bit easier than the prospect package because it's just you know after soderstrom there's not that much um Mm -hmm. i don't think that would interest the Rockies. so i'm not sure that's the best fit i mean it seems to make sense from a baseball on field percentage because point of view because he could be the guy to kind of help them get over the hump and get into deeper into the playoffs this year they're still in first place and they've just need to get that extra oomph, you know? And so maybe he gives them that extra oomph. I don't know. Um, so that's what everybody's thinking, right? I'm just not sure if it'll actually work. Yeah, I, I agree almost completely there. I mean, with Elvis Andrews, like you said, he's been heating up lately. Mike Petriello um, of MLB.com actually tweeted out the other day the outs above average leaderboard for hitters. So the outs above average against, basically, how good have defenses been against specific mm-hmm. hitters? And mm-hmm. right at the top of the leaderboard, tied with six outs above average against them, are Eugenio Suarez and Elvis Andrews. So that's and, and that does line up pretty well with the eye test. He's hit a lot of rockets right at guys, and so you figure at some point those will drop, and they're already starting to drop a little bit. And so mm-hmm. even if he's not, nobody's expecting Elvis Andrews to be an above average hitter these days. But even if he can just settle in somewhere, you know, 10, 20 percent worse than average with an average-ish glove. Yeah. I think at that point you say, okay, rather than Trevor Story, our resources are better spent elsewhere on this team. Because I do agree that this might be, we might be at the point here where the A's need to push some chips in. Yeah. Um, Matt Chapman's really fallen off a cliff. He's he's struggling and he's only going to cost more and more the next couple of years. Olsen has been fantastic, so he's going to cost even more. Um their their outlook for the next couple of years isn't the cleanest as far as as far as their team and, and their money so maybe we're looking at a point here where it's okay this is not i don't want to say the last year of their window but one of the last years of their window and it's time to say okay well, we can <clears throat> maybe not move on from a soderstrom who's on fire and i believe he just got put into baseball america's top 50 yep um he's really got a lot of helium right now so he's probably a guy that they really are holding on to as a high school catcher yeah, uh, they really want him as their as maybe the centerpiece of their next big core. Yep. Uh, so they're probably not trading him for Story. Right. Uh, but maybe it's and maybe it's time to package some of those lower pieces, not necessarily for Story, but for a handful of upgrades around the roster. They could probably use a couple relievers, maybe a starter, yeah, uh, maybe a bench bat or something <clears throat> along those lines. So yeah, it, so yeah, it, I'm I'm with you there. I think where it's. I agree that the money isn't necessarily as big of a holdup as it once was, as I once perceived it to be. Uh, but the the rest of it, the, the prospects and just the Elvis Andrews situation, because he's also stuck there for next season as well. Yeah. So if he's just now starting to heat up, do you want to say, okay, ride the bench, we'll see you next year <laughs> and right. see how you're going to do once you're a year older? Or do you just kind of ride him out now? So, so yeah, I mean, let, maybe circle back on this in a month because they may yeah. – they may have changed their view on that, and he might have gotten cold again. We'll see. But they, I do, to your larger point, I do think 
it's probably I'm thinking probabilistically here. There's a pro there's a higher probability that this is it for this A's core, and then they blow mm-hmm. it up after the season, uh, because that's typically been the the pattern with Billy Bean's clubs is like he you know he can see the writing on the wall. You know, with the whole stadium issue going sort of further down the line, who knows how that's going to get resolved? But it's not going to they're not going to be a new stadium by 2023, which is what they were hoping for, which is what they needed to kind of increase their revenue. And so and to be able to lock up guys like Chad exactly. Wilson, that was what they needed. Yeah, <clears throat> they were tying it to that. And so now that's been pushed back, if ever, you know, so mm-hmm. so that's there's no light at the end of the revenue front. Right. So which means they're not going to be able to keep their expensive guys, which means these this may be it for this core mm-hmm. for the so and, and most of their their value from a trade perspective is on the major league field. It's in Olsen and Chapman and maybe Loreano. Loreano, yeah. Yeah. So um, so we'll see if. You know, I but I, I have a hunch that this is it for them because also they've knocked on the door the last three years. They knock on the door again this year and don't make it. You gotta think, okay, fine. Yeah, at that true, point you know? gotta move in one of two directions. You either yeah. gotta push everything in or you gotta pull everything out. Right. And this team has never been one to push everything in in terms of spending and getting the big free agent that puts them over the top. That's not that's yeah. never been their mo. We know that. Yeah. So that leaves that leaves one option, and that's what they did after 2014 of right. when they when they traded Josh Donaldson, Brandon Moss, Jeff Samarja, yeah. you know, in a single off season, all these guys uh, they traded five or six all stars. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, but here's the thing that that rebuilding window was only three years, right? So they were mm-hmm. bad in 15, 16, 17, and they were back in the playoffs in 18. So that's what Bean likes to do. It's like mm-hmm. it's like okay, let's just let's just set a course and then go for it. Put our you know, let's you know have a fire sale but then regroup as fast as possible made he made some mm-hmm. other KG deals with Loriano and you know and then the relievers he got Lozardo out of the two relievers you know so like mm-hmm. you know okay so he can make they can make deals like that and speed up the rebuild it's not like an endless Baltimore Orioles rebuild this is a yeah. team that works quickly right yeah <clears throat> and as you say rather make the trade a year early than a year late yeah right uh, so then the second one, kind of along those lines, that's also been picking up a little bit more steam lately, Max Scherzer to the Blue Jays. Now, there's a lot of different factors here that kind of go into whether this can happen. And so I think for those, the main factor is the no trade clause of does he want to go to insert city that the Blue Jays are playing <laughs> in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but but I, I, I think there's a little bit of a weird, and I might, I might be completely off on this, but I think there's a bit of a kind of weird cycle to this if that makes any sense where the more media buzz there is about it maybe that makes it and the players will always say they don't look at the rumors but they got to hear some of them so maybe the more media buzz there is of oh the blue jays would be a great fit for max scherzer maybe it does a little mental thing and he goes huh maybe maybe toronto slash buffalo would be a decent fit for me and maybe i would approve that so i I am coming around a little bit on scherzer to the blue jays how are you feeling on that uh I, 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 I think if Scherzer's going to approve a trade because the ball's in his court, he's going to, re- mm-hmm. it's going to be to like a really clear contender, like the Yankees, the Padres, the Dodgers, like one of those higher marquee teams that he's like, okay, I know I can help them get over the hump. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure he sees Toronto as being ready. Like they might see them as being a year. Like, like if I'm going to, like he would want a ring, right? If he's going to agree yeah. to a trade, like, am I going to get a ring in Toronto or Buffalo? I'm not sure. 
or maybe the Cubs. This is the Cubs' last hurrah with this group, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they could certainly use him. Um, that's another one I think you know people are speculating about. Like that one, I could see a little bit easier because they're in first place. They, you know, Chris Bryant's been hot. They're sort of they got somehow renewed some energy there. So like I could see him fitting in there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not quite clear yet. I mean, he could pick his spot anywhere. I mean, a whole bunch of teams would have him. I mean, obviously, we have to work out the money, um, mm-hmm. and that's a huge issue, as I wrote a few uh, weeks ago. Um, so that's it's very complicated. But um, I'm not totally sold on him going to Toronto. Uh, ironically, that's the example I used in my article. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, he could veto that one, um, unless they get really hot and they make it clear that they're a first place contender and they just need that one extra piece. Then maybe. Um, mm-hmm otherwise yeah i I mean it's i think it is kind of contingent on something on them heating up a little bit because i don't think i don't think the blue jays would necessarily want to give significant assets for max reserve third and fourth place Uh, right i'm kind of assuming at least a bit of a hot streak at least a bit of a push toward maybe second in the standings where they say okay now it's time to add the piece that puts us over the top and, and maybe that makes them a more attractive landing spot as well but you know who else could use a piece like that to put them over the top who has prospect capital to burn so much prospect capital they don't know what to do oh. with <laughs> do i do i know who you're gonna say <laughs> as long as if the Nats agreed to eat the money, you know, and they could get more prospect capital, I'm sure Tampa would be willing to listen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I could see that. The other name I had in the back of my mind, uh, the one that first popped into my mind, San Francisco. Perhaps are they if that they, if they good keep that this they... going? I'm still they not aren't, told. <laughs> but if they keep this going, maybe they could get themselves to be that good by adding a guy like they're not. They don't. They they're ahead of their timeline. They're not going to push in their big big chips. Yeah. But if they can accelerate their timeline a year by giving getting a rental, even the best rental, yeah. I don't know. It's it, it's. Yeah. All of this maybe. is much too early speculation. It's going to depend on where these teams are in a month and a half. Uh, yeah. But it, it's fun to speculate sometimes. Yeah. And anyway. the other sort of <laughs> the money is going to be a huge factor because it's so yeah. complicated. And also, yeah. teams like the Yankees and the Astros don't want to go over the luxury cap. I mean, we spent so much effort trying to stay under it to, to this point so they're not going to want to take on money so that would mm-hmm. mean that they would have to increase the prospect return houston doesn't have much to play with yankees have a little bit more um I, like i said tampa's got so much it's ridiculous so you know it, it go any number of ways but those are you know those are the those are the realistic options i think mm-hmm. yeah makes sense all right i didn't want to spend too long on that uh because we have a whole lot to cover now as far as our updates go. I'm going to let you kind of take the wheel on this, um, just like last time <clears> with, I don't know how you want to categorize these guys. You just have a couple names you want to run off as far as the big risers and fallers here. Uh, one thing I, one general trend was we saw, that at least on my end uh, with the hitters, I saw a lot of guys, a lot of veterans who went down in the first update, uh, come back up in the second update. And that's because, you know, a guy like Jose Abreu, just as a quick example, he struggled through the first month, and so that tank brought his value down a little bit. But now that we have a second month here, his stats normalized a little bit. We know he's a good hitter, and his stats are now reflecting that, so he's gone up a little bit more to to reflect that change. And, and that's what you're going to see with a lot of guys where these a lot of these guys aren't bad hitters, and <clears throat> just m- playing bad for a month doesn't necessarily make them a bad hitter all of a sudden. Uh, and that's not necessarily what the values were implying, but they were they had to reflect their poor first month in some way. And so now that a lot of these guys are rebounding in the second month of the season, 
Um, we're seeing them kind of return to normal here, at least on the hitting side. I don't know if you saw that on the pitching side as well. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky because, you know, in the after only a month of data, it's still heavily weighted towards, like, preseason projections, which are in turn heavily weighted on past performances so if those were lower you're still going to have some of that lower sort of expectation baked in until the new data starts to take precedent more and more so the, each month that goes by the new data is going to have a little bit more impact um so the flip side of that um luis castillo who we had at over 100 at the beginning of the season who was like ridiculous like you know the reds were right to return to say you know, to ask for Gleyber Torres and other th- pieces from the Yankees. And um, he's off to, obviously, a horrible start. <laughs> so um, he just couldn't find his way, you know, around the strike zone, and his changeup wasn't working. And uh, um, now, <clears throat> so um, he's, he, he had a good start recently, and he seems to have picked it up, and he's starting to find his groove again. But but in the first month or so, my God, he was dreadful. So he fell all the way down to 60s and even the 50s in, in, in that last update. Um so, but I think he's going to settle into like the 60s-ish now. Um, but that was one really dramatic drop uh, for a guy who'd been in the rumor mill quite a bit. Um, the other thing you'll see is, you know, because we have a model for the younger pitchers, which blends their major league time with their prospect time, sometimes you'll see jumps in either direction because of that. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna tap, tap, touch on one of your uh, the hitters, Austin Riley, who was down yep. in sort of the high teens, 20s, and all of a sudden, uh, a couple things happened. He got hot, and then now we've got two months of data being hot. He's finally realizing his potential, and the fact that now he's established now he, he's took he's already taken his lumps at the major league level. So now his major league data has has now surpassed his prospect value, which was lower, to the point where he's taken off like a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he's what fifty-ish now. Ah, uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's been incredible for sure and yeah his, his value has <laughs> skyrocketed to reflect that uh, yeah. a couple other guys in that category that are kind of the obvious names so i'll just i won't go too in deep on him i'll just mention them really quick obviously vlad continues to go up mm-hmm. he's insane he, he already had insane prospect value backing up kind of a not mediocre but a, a little underwhelming i'd say mm-hmm. major league performance and now mm-hmm. the major league performance is matching the prospect type and so he's skyrocketing um Adolis Garcia, we mentioned, I believe, uh, in our last round of updates. He continues to go up because he continues to hit. Jesse Winker was insane, one of my favorite hitters to watch. Uh, and Brandon Crawford is on something else right now. What the heck's going on there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of a revival in San Francisco for guys like him, Longoria, Posey. Um, Posey, it, it seems kind of obvious that you know the year off rejuvenated him. He'd taken a bit of a beating uh, so many games behind the plate the last handful of years and maybe that year off just helped him, you know, get a little healthy and get into a bit better shape. And now he's back to what seems like his old form. Uh, that's really, it's really fun to watch those guys. Um, but yeah, Crawford way up. Um, one other, one interesting name that's probably, it, it's not drawn headlines anywhere. Uh, Josh Harrison is hitting pretty decent for, uh, he's playing pretty well for the nationals. Yes. He's on the nationals. <laughs> um, and, he's still not he's not going to do anything crazy he's a one-year guy he's a veteran he's doesn't have a a track record of being incredible but he's made himself into a decent little trade chip one of those you know lottery ticket flyer types that they can get for him now instead Mm -hmm. of just 
cash considerations or some 27-year-old minor league reliever, now they can maybe get, you know, a semi-interesting 18-year-old for him as a, as a utility player uh, to a contending team. So I wanted to point him out at least. Yeah. <clears throat> All those are good ones. So a couple I'll point out on the on the pitching side, both mm-hmm. up and down. Freddie Peralta continues to look great, and we thought he was a reliever a while ago. He's turned into be like he's really convincing now that he's the more he does it, the more he's a starter, and he's going like seven innings with giving up you know one or two runs each time. So and striking mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people out. So he is continuing to shoot up in value, and that will continue if he continues to do that. And the Brewers' top three. Uh, and the rotation is just insane. And they're all sort of in peak peak value in great form. Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, man, if they make the playoffs, that's going to be a tough <laughs> that's trio. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are three of the best pitchers in baseball, uh, not just mm-hmm. in trade value. But, I mean, that's they are just smoking hot. And then they got Hater in relief. Um, so, I mean, that's a team to watch. I mean, they got some offensive troubles. And they had Travis Shaw just go down for injury. So they've got to still work out some things there. But on the pitching mm-hmm. side, man, um, they're looking good. Um, Trevor Rogers of Miami continues to impress. And so here's a guy that was sort of low-ish because he was a good prospect, but not a great prospect. But he had some upside, just enough upside where and now they're trying to – and he's surpassing expectations at the major league level. And he continues to get better and better, it seems, in each start. So he's climbing the ladder. Um, on the veteran side, Kevin Gosman continues to impress. Remember when we had a podcast where we said, yeah, should they have QO'd him? Uh, yes, they should have, because now he's <laughs> up over 11 in surplus. So um, that's a good story there. Um, and on the and Tyler, Ma- Tyler Maley, is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a guy who's like, I remember in trade proposals, we were a little high on him, and people thought, why are you so high on Tyler Maley? Um, but now it's proven to be right, because he's really hit his stride, you know, and he's kind of at peak value as well, and, and then the numbers are starting to show he's, you know, in the 40s. Um, on the downside, um, despite the Cubs winning, uh, Kyle Hendricks continues to be sort of iffy, yeah. and he's got that fixed contract, so man, it used to be a bunch of surplus, and now it's really down low, so... Um, that's not looking too good. Um, so those are few in, uh, just a few names that are popping out. Um, maybe I'll have more in a moment. Um, I wanted to mention a couple that are on the hitting side, though. Um, you know, um, Kyle Seeger, Corey's brother, up in Seattle. We've had him at you know, negative value for I don't know how long uh, because of you know the poison pill in his contract. He gets traded, and then the, the next year becomes a player option, and he would take it. So that always was weighing his value. But the more he performs, the more that sort of uh, negative value went down to the point now where I I believe he's now at dead even. Like he is now, his contract is fair. Like even if you traded for him yeah. and got an extra year, you get your money's worth. Yeah. So that's an interesting story, I think. <clears throat> I have a handful of hitters along those lines as well to talk about, all with opt-outs or options that are now yeah. adjusted. Uh-huh. Um First of all, Xander Bogarts, he was already very likely to opt out of his contract. I believe that's after next season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now his value went up. He's He's been great this year, uh, so that opt-out is even more likely now. Um, Nick Castellanos, yeah. he wasn't looking like he was going to opt out. At, I think he has an opt-out after every season of his contract, uh-huh. of his four-year deal. Um, and he had a, a hot month last year and then a cold month, and so it was like, hey, he's probably not going to opt out now. He's probably not going to opt out at all. Uh, but he's on fire again this year, so that opt-out is now looking more likely. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say guaranteed, but it's looking more likely at this point. Um, 
Another one, J.D. Martinez. His value is positive now because, again, mm-hmm. he's been incredible. He bounced back from a rough 2020. We're not at the point yet where, uh, just because of the way his contract is structured, he's positive now, but we still aren't at the point where the opt-out is likely by our values. Uh, but we're getting there. If he keeps this up, maybe we do get there. And then the last one, uh, I have Kevin Pillar written down here. Uh, <laughs> full disclosure, we did these updates like almost two weeks ago, so I'm... Uh, I yeah. have Kevin Pillar down here. I know he has an option. Uh, I believe it's a player option for that second year. I'm pulling it up right now and trying to stall a little bit. Yeah, he <laughs> has a player option for the second year. Um, it's close now. Now it looks like he will exercise that option, but it's going to be close. Uh, that second year option of $2.9 million. Uh, so not, not a huge deal there, but worth pointing out. Um, so those are all of those opt-out guys. Then I have... A handful. Oh, actually, one more. Nolan Arenado. Uh, his value is up, but we're still not at the point where it looks like he'll opt out. Yeah. Um, he still just has so much money and so many years guaranteed that it wouldn't really make sense for him. Yeah, I don't think. Um, yeah. And then just a couple more um, fixed contract guys. Um, unfortunately, this was not a good up round of updates for Mike Trout, <laughs> as right. he is injured, and he he started to cool off a little bit before he got injured. So a bit of a bummer on that one. I We went at length about, about how much we love Trout and how fun it is to update him and watch the number keep going up and up and up. And, and this time, unfortunately, it went down. Spoke a little too soon. Yeah, right. Um, another one who went down, Aaron Hicks. Uh, that's yeah. because of his significant injury, and he's on a significant guaranteed contract. He's looking like an albatross right now. Um, on the flip side... Uh, James McCann, he went down in the first month, and he went up a bit in the second month, so he's kind of stabilizing a little bit. Uh, Randall Grichik, same thing, he's going up a little bit. And Max Muncy and Yohan Moncada both skyrocketed this time around, and that's because they're both on fixed contracts that are pretty affordable, and it looked like they were performing pretty in line, but still still outperforming their contracts by a bit. Um, Moncada had a rough season in 2020, uh, partially due to COVID, uh, at least... At least that's what he attributes some of his struggles to. Uh, but now this season, they've both been fantastic. And their values just spiked like crazy. Cool. I have a few more names to throw out, um, both good and bad. Um, on the good side, Shohei Otani, who's both pitcher and a hitter. So Josh and I combine forces on whenever <laughs> we do his value. And he's really shot up. Obviously, he's having a great year, MVP-level year. I mean, he'd been injured and in, in all sorts of problems before this, so his value had been, I think, at the low 20s when we started the year. But, man, mm-hmm. he's really shot up. Uh, because you got the double double weapon going on there. He's hitting, he's pitching, he's he's dealing, he's doing everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> having a great year. Um, so he's up. Um a couple of more on the pitching side. Uh, Zach Wheeler is having a really good year. I don't know if anybody's talking about it that much, but when he signed that contract, there were there were people who thought, oh, that's an overpay. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I remember thinking, uh, we crunched the numbers, and it looked pretty fair, you give or take. Uh, yeah. But now he's really hit a new gear, and he's way up. He's up in like the 30s now because that's a fixed contract. And when that performance goes up and he's got another three and a half years on it, you know, he's going to, you know, that's a lot of value there now. <laughs> yeah, I believe he's leading the National League in strikeouts right now. Yeah, he's, in, he's yeah, that was a great signing. Um, and speaking of great pitchers, Jacob DeGrom continues to grow up. I, go, I don't have enough words for DeGrom. He's just – because his underlying advanced metrics are just insane. Like I've never seen anybody in the ones in Xwoba. I'm like, what the you – know, as a starter. Like occasionally you see a reliever, but oh my god. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's – 
that's just ridiculous. Um, um, on the downside, I uh, wanted to mention Steven Strasberg. God love him. World Series hero a couple years ago. But, man, uh, uh, that was a terrible contract. After that, the Nationals signed him, too. And it's it's actually – I believe he's now surpassed uh, Giancarlo Stanton now as the worst contract in baseball. Wow. And, and our worst – you know, our bottom – Dweller list. <laughs> he's, he's he's the top of the list above Stanton there on the uh, on the least value with players uh, because he just can't stay healthy and uh, it's yeah and he's got a whole bunch of deferred money for years and years and years. Um, Danny Jansen, you know our model has been a little bit too high because he's been just uh, horrible at the plate and but he's been a really good defensive catcher and he had some. Here's an example of where like the past numbers were waiting on it a little bit too much. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and a little bit too optimistic because of his previous performance. And but it's starting to go down and down and down. Whereas I think the this is where kind of the eye test and the public perception. Oh, he's terrible. is starting now to start to kick in. And now people are seeing, OK, yeah, he's not as good. He's not as valuable as we thought he would be. Um, uh, I want to mention, since I do the relievers and the relievers are a pain in the butt because there's so many details. But um, a couple of guys who just don't get enough credit but have been really good and consistently good is scott barlow of the kansas city royals um like he's not their closer but he should probably should be he's like their eighth inning guy he's just he just delivers he's been delivering ever since he came up and he's only he's still got four years of control which is why we have him in the high teens really good pitcher if you i don't think royals are trading him but um he, he doesn't get enough love and um i did notice that mlb trade rumors did um do a piece on Paul Fry. Uh, he has been uh, in the same boat. Lefty reliever, consistently good for the last couple of years. He's got. We've got him at 15 because he's still got like three and a half years of control. Um, if the Royals wanted to trade him, they could get a decent return for him. Uh, but those mm-hmm. two guys kind of fly under the radar. Um, you know, sometimes most relievers are in the single digits, low single digits, mid. You know, for the good ones. But occasionally you get one that is in the teens, and that's because typically they have more control and they've established themselves at a very consistent high level like Barlow and Fry have done. I'm, of course, not including guys like, you know, Hayter, who's you know, still in the high teens at a high level, but he's also getting paid. Mm-hmm. The elite level. But I'm seeing, like, the level underneath that. There's a few yeah. guys that, that kind of hover in there, consistently good setup men that I think would be really good. Um, you know, their, their trade value is justified because they've been consistent and they do their mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. So, All right. I think I have one last group of guys here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can wrap up uh, if you have another group as well. Um, let's start with uh, Luke Voigt, who has been hurt, obvi- and so obviously his value continues to go down. In a similar boat, Michael Conforto, except mm-hmm. Michael Conforto, he's on the last year of his deal, so it really only has <laughs> the only place it can go is down, uh, but it's going even farther down because he's been hurt and not great when he's on the field. Um, so that's unfortunate for the Mets and for Conforto and his aspirations at a large contract after the season. Um, Tyler O'Neill has been incredible. Yeah, He's finally. Destroying the ball the way that it, someone who looks like him should. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so he went way up. Matt Olson, as I mentioned earlier, he he's going up still. He's also crushing the ball this season. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. He is into Trout and Acuna territory at this yes, point. Yes, he is. He's, in, yeah. he's into that point where we have to make an adjustment for it because <laughs> nobody 
could ever trade this much for him. Nobody could ever pay him this much on the open market. It's, it's unrealistic. Yeah. So we have to put that kind of cap on him like we do for Trout and Acuna. Yeah. Uh, which, which if you had to pick three guys in the game that you would be like, yep, these guys are impossible to trade for. There you go. Those are the three. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then last one that I, that honestly surprised me. And uh, he's always, he's always fun for me because he's at the end of the list. And it's like, yes, I did it. Mike Zunino. Yeah. He's, hitting pretty well his value went up pretty significantly this time around and, and, and it's deserved he's hitting better than he has i think for most of his career i'm gonna pull up his numbers right now uh, but it's it's been fun to see for a guy who always you know he kind of settled into this one like this is who i am I, I hit for some power i strike out a ton i'll give you good defense and he's made a career out of that but he's slugging 524 right now that's a career high by by a good margin 131 wrc plus he hasn't been that good since his his best year with seattle was a 126 wrc plus and a 509 slug so he's been very impressive i i wasn't totally sure of why the uh necessarily why the rays brought him back i thought they could do better at catcher i know they're they're penny pincher types and so that maybe they just said okay this is a position where we'll just take the glove and anything he else he can give us is gravy um but it's it's turning out to be a very very good investment for them, and he has a very cheap 2022 club option that now will likely get exercised if he keeps up at this pace. So yeah, fun to watch um, there. I have an added point to that. So they've been platooning him with Francisco Mejia, which I think is mm. the secret sauce here, because they have Zanino, you know, basically batting against lefties quite a bit more, and he's always managed to hit lefties, but now he's just accelerating, and now he the confidence is is he's bursting with confidence now i think they might you know um, bat him against righties more too but you know that's sort of the age-old wisdom right you know like okay you know set them up for success see if they get some confidence and then and they're off and running and so mejia has actually benefited as well remember he was sort of a failed prospect is when he was traded in the blake snell trade you know he was down mm -hmm. in the low threes or something and now he's back up because he's starting to hit finally um so now they've got a good catcher platoon going on in tampa the wolf yeah. guys are hitting yeah, <laughs> surprisingly good considering what it looked like coming into the year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, I had one other thought since you mentioned, who did you mention just before that? Um, uh, O'Neill Olson. O'Neill, yeah. So okay. remember years ago, Tyler O'Neill was traded for Marco Gonzalez when they were mm -hmm. both prospects. It was kind of a, you know, an interesting challenge trade. Exactly. Yeah. It was a challenge trade. And for a long time, it was Marco Gonzalez who seemed like the, you know, in reality was performing better and like Seattle got the better of the deal. Interesting, they flip-flop now. Tyler O'Neill is hot, as you just mentioned, and his trade value has gone up. Marco Gonzalez is cold as a cucumber. And he's got zero F4. He's got a 5.45 ERA. He's got a 7.81 X ERA. You know, he's having a bad year and he's on a fixed contract. So because of that, you know, his, his value has totally tanked down yeah. to like the single digits because you've got like several more years of him and if he continues to be bad nobody's going to want that so um yeah total reverse on that one <clears throat> mm -hmm. all right do you have any more pictures or no that's basically it um i would just want to say looking ahead um you know we've been updating monthly um there may be a case here or two where we want to get to them sooner than later um but, um, you know, I think the next update will be even more important because at this point, at that point, we'll have, you know, three months of data, half, half a season. It's going to be even more meaningful. Numbers will have settled even more. Um, and also we'll start to see, I think, more activity as well. So it'll be fun.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just a quick look ahead, uh, as as you're saying there. Uh, we plan on uh, these are tentative; these could could be subject to change, so don't don't hold us to this. <laughs> we plan on another podcast in two weeks, as we have been doing, and then once we get into July and things really start heating up, switching back to our weekly format, just so we can make sure we don't miss any news and we aren't recording three-hour episodes to cover all the news that does happen. <laughs> um, and, and so things are about to. We're still we're still got a couple weeks here, but things are about to start really heating up, and uh, and we're ready to cover it all as it comes. Absolutely, and we'll keep things as updated as we can. Yes. All right, so that will do it for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to shoot us an email at baseballtradevalues at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at baseballvalues. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. We have a really exciting time of the year coming up. You won't want to miss it. We'll be back in a couple weeks to break down more news and updates. So until then, stay safe and enjoy the season. Thanks, John. Thanks, Josh.